Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. I want to do something before I get really started this morning and uh, take time to celebrate something that happened actually last week. And last week we got together and we did uh, beachside bonfire and baptisms. Uh, It was the first time we did it together, but it was like one of those things where it was kind of cold. We're like, well, if we're going to do baptisms, we should also have a bonfire to warm everybody up, right? Uh, and so last week we did that. We had a whole lot of people that showed up and hung out with us. I think we got some pictures somewhere right there, Jared. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we had six people get baptized. I think six people got baptized for the very first time. That's a big deal. Yeah. Real quick, this is, can we go back to that picture? This is, this is what I want to, uh, that guy right there, that's uh, a good friend of mine. His name is Eric Sills. Eric, the way he found out about Coastline was because of his neighbor. His neighbor invited him to church. Uh, just for one time, and he came, and God's done some great things, continues to work on him, doing some great things in his life. Uh, I, that's just a testament to just being a good neighbor, uh, what it can do, and, uh, and the fact that if someone hadn't invited him, he might not have shown up, and so be inviting your friends. But go ahead, and let's go through the rest of those pictures. Uh, we had so many people get baptized and celebrate out there, family celebrating. There's uh, families getting uh, baptized together, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, let's give them a hand. That's a big deal. Yep. As I see this, it reminds me um, uh, of some key parts of the series that we're actually getting into here this next week. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk through a series uh, called Committed, when yes means yes. And, um, you know, typically during this time of year, uh, you know, I'd, I'd get up and I'd preach for a couple of weeks on love. We're going into the, the season of love and relationships, right? Valentine's Day, uh, husbands and boyfriends, I'm going to tell you right now, this is your warning, Okay. You have it. You have like a less than a week, a little more than a week to do something. Don't wait till the last day and get something from 7-Eleven, okay? It doesn't work. I'm telling you from my own experience, learn from mind trauma, okay? Don't go to do it from 7-Eleven. Get something good. Do something good. Uh, but this year, I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, you know, I, I, I think when it comes to um, rather than doing the thing of celebrating love and marriage, and, and I, I want to talk about the core of these things, the core of, of something that... Uh, that is involved in our everyday life, and in, in us as followers of Christ, but also us as, as humans. And I think commitment, com- being committed, is something that is uh, involved in, in, yes, our marriages, but it's also involved in our, in our relationships. It's, it's a key part of the jobs that we have. Uh, it's a key part of the relationships that we have with our friends that are around us. It's a key part of, of, of how we treat and, and what we do to support and protect our families. I think it's something that's incredibly, incredibly important, this, this idea of being committed, but also for us to understand that it's very valuable. It's something that we should, we should cherish and we should hold on to. Now, for a quick second, I'm going to call my own self out and the rest of us, Okay. Uh, we're finally back to a, a point in life where I feel like things are a little bit kind of normal, right? I don't, I don't want to, like, say it too hard because I feel like something will happen or we're back to, like, full-blown pandemic or something. But we're kinda, we've kind of come through the tough part 
But the one thing I think that I'll miss about going through the pandemic was the great scapegoat that was COVID. Anybody use COVID for an excuse in your life? Be honest. I got to raise both hands, right? Your outlaws wanted you, to, I mean, your in-laws wanted you to come over and you said, I don't know, I got a tickle in my throat. I don't know if I can do it, right? Come on, be honest. You did it. You had people that are like, hey, let's get together and hang out. And you're like, I don't really want to hang out with that person. I don't, I don't think we should do it, man. We just got to work that social separation, right? You did that. Uh, some of us used it, I'm going to be honest, used it at work too, right? Everything's just so crazy with COVID, man. It's hard to get, hard to get parts, hard to get things, hard to get stuff done. I'm sure nobody, I'm sure nobody did that, right? Uh, but there was this, this great scapegoat that like everyone, but now we're at a point where like that doesn't work anymore, Right? You can't, you, can't say, you can't say that anymore. Your, out, your in-laws, they're not going to receive that excuse anymore. Right now, we've got we, we we to figure out how to take that step and get reconnected and, and re, recommitted in these different areas of our lives. And so as I was um, getting together um, and, and, and trying to process this this week, uh, I realized that this isn't something that is just valuable to us. It's something that Jesus also communicates that is valuable. So much that he communicated it in the most famous sermon ever talked about. The thing that gets repeated more than anything else in all the Bible. His sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5, he says this, and I want to read it to you. He says, again, you've heard that it was said in those, uh, in those days of old. Hold on real quick. I'm going I'm to preface it with this. This is the, uh, it is the NKJV version, the New King Jimmy version, okay? I mean, uh, New, New King James version. Um, this is going to sound a little bit different than how I would normally talk and maybe what you would hear. And so you got to read between the lines a little bit. It's going to say something about swearing. Moms, don't take this home to your kids and say, the Bible says you shouldn't swear. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about promises. It's talking about commitments. But your kids also shouldn't swear. So, um, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, this is Jesus saying, he said, don't, don't swear at all, neither by heaven, nor by God's throne, or, or for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great kings, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black on your head. Or for some of us, regrow hair, right? Pretty much what Jesus is saying here, he's like, there's been a problem where people are, are promising, and, and, and you ever heard the, the term before, someone says, I swear to God this happened, right? We've heard that before. Or, or, or I swear on, on my life I wouldn't say that. There's this thing where, where people are making these commitments. They're, they're saying, they're, they're, they're putting weight behind what they say based off of these other things that had clout or value. And Jesus stops them and he says, hey, no, like, just listen for a second. In verse 37 he says, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever is more than these, for, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. He says, he says there's value in just you making the commitment or saying no to it. 
That's, that's where the value, it, we don't have to put this other thing to it. We don't have to put other value on top of it. He says, there's just very much value in the commitments that we do or don't make. There's value in your word. I feel like years and decades and decades ago, our culture was at a point where the only thing that you had was your word. The only thing you had was if you prom- if you told someone that you were going to do something, you did it. If you told someone you weren't going to do something, you didn't do it. That's, that's, that was part of the integrity of who you are. And Jesus, in a specific situation, he's saying, hey, when it comes to just, just let your yes be yes and your no be no, there's value in just that. And so a couple weeks ago, as the staff and I got together, um, we, have a, we have a commitment each week, two of them actually. We get together on Tuesdays and we talk about uh, the weekend, what happened, and what's going on the next weekend. And then we get together on Fridays to kind of recap all of that. But specifically on one Tuesday, I said, man, we need to get together and we need to do an intensive. And let's, let's plan out, let's make commitments for, for what's going to happen at Coastline for the next, like, two years. Or the next, not two years, next year. The next year. For 2023, like, what, what are we going to do? And so we sat down and we, we scheduled out the outreaches that we're going to go through. We scheduled out uh, the, the, the community events that we're going to do, like the chili cook-off and the beachside bonfires and, and stuff like that. And we sat down and we, we talked through the series that we're going to preach through, or that we're going to teach through. And I felt, I told him, I was like, I feel specifically that I'm supposed to teach uh, maybe uh, one, one month in the beginning of the year sometime uh, on the prophet Elijah. And then, and then maybe in the end of the year, maybe after summer, I talk about the prophet Elisha. And so in, in some of the, the studying and pre-studying for that, I came, on, came upon this story. But real quick, let me give you a little pretext. Elijah uh, was a man in the Old Testament time that he was a prophet of God. That means that he was just a normal dude like me and you, but God would come down to him and communicate to him and have him go tell the, God's people what he had said. So God spoke to Elijah. Elijah spoke to the people. That's how it worked. He was kind of like, um, what's the person who like talks for the president on TV? Press secretary. Yeah, he was like biblical press secretary. Thank you so much for all the moms that helped me. I appreciate you. Um, he was like the he was like the the heavenly or the kingdom kingdom of God press secretary. He's like I'm gonna tell you what what God says. But not only that, he did so many miracles because the Holy Spirit of God was upon him. And so he was healing people. And there was things that were happening that, that were beyond what you and I uh, could just do normally. And then Elisha, which these are two different guys, similar names. There's Elijah and there's Elisha. Elisha was the, one, the man that was Elijah's disciple and follower. He came along Elijah and he, he learned from him and gleaned from him. And here specifically we see uh, in the book of 2 Kings, it's coming towards the end of Elijah's time here on this earth. He's getting a little bit older, but rather than him dying, God's going to take him to heaven. He's going to be one of the, the very few people in the world that, that doesn't die. He, God's just going to snatch him off, off the earth and take him to heaven. And as Elisha is following him around, he knows that this is going to happen. It says this, it says that Elijah said to Elisha, to stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. So Elijah senses that this time is coming where he's going to leave this earth, and he's trying to, he's trying to keep Elisha from having to see it or be a part of it. And so it's, it's kind of like one of these things of, like, you followed me all this time. You've helped me all this time. This is where our paths stop. 
But Elisha replies with with this. He says, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. He, he, he reinstates, he says, he says, I've made a commitment that I'm going to follow you no matter what. And so God's still alive, you're still alive, we're doing this. And so they go down to Bethel together, and then it says in verse 4, it says that Elijah said to Elisha, he says, stay here, he's talking about in Bethel, the Lord has told me I should go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, he says, surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. As they're in Jericho, finally, Elijah says to Elisha, he says, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives, you and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. This Elisha guy, he seems like a pretty committed dude, right? He doesn't give up, doesn't not give up easily. He'd been there all the time. He'd been helping out, helping Elijah out, and he had had multiple times to, to be able to be let go, to get off the train, to be released of his commitment. But he says, no, I made a commitment, and I'm going to continue to follow you. He doesn't give up. You know, I think sometimes in our life, the things that, the things that we really mess out on is because we gave up too soon. Because we, we, we said, you know what, it, it doesn't, I, I just got to get off this train. Here's an opportunity for me to get off. Some of, for some of us, it's with our job. We said, man, here's a time to get out. You know, I'm just, I'm just not happy. I'm not feeling it. There's something, there's something missing, and so we, so we jump off. For some of us, it's been, been with the relationships that we've had. We said there's just something that's not, not clicking, and it's, it's time to jump, jump ship. For some of us, it's, it's even been in our marriages. We've... We've sat before each other and our friends and family, we said, till death to us part, we made a commitment. But at some point we say, we're stepping off of this commitment. Because we don't, we just don't feel it. I want to challenge you, I, I, I think that sometimes the reason that we don't experience the happiness that we want or we don't experience the fulfillment that we want, we don't get to the part where it's because we gave up just way too soon. Can I be honest with you guys for a second? I'm just be real transparent. I'm just a normal dude too. I've been married to my wife for, for 12 years. Maybe this is gonna come out of a shocker to you, but I don't know if I've been happy with our marriage every day for this past 12 years. You probably have, right? I mean, this is bliss. Yep. I, I don't know, I don't know if it's been I don't know if it's been happiness and perfection and and Tweety Bird, whatever is, you know, it's, it's been, there's been times where it's been tough, right? It's not been, not been easy. It's not been, there's times it's not been fun, right? Even like the other day, what was the thing? Our daughter broke a bottle of soy sauce in the kitchen for the 15th time, putting the, putting the groceries away. Literally, it's happened like at least five times. Soy sauce is like, it comes to die in the Nichols' kitchen, and it's like there's a, now there's a fight and now there's like glass and it's like we're all barefoot and there's soy sauce everywhere. It's not the marriage I expected to see. It's not what I was sold. But I made a commitment. 
and I, don't, don't get me wrong, I got it good. I ain't ever going anywhere. I told Erica, she leaves me, pack my bags too, because I'm coming with her. Like, it's just... But sometimes the, sometimes the commitment, you need to understand that there's, there's value in it that you need to push through because of the commitment that you've made. This is what happens next with Elijah and Elisha. It says, then Elijah, as they got to the Jordan River, Elijah took his cloak off. He took it together and he struck the water with it. It says, the river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. Sounds like a pretty cool miracle, right? You wouldn't need a boat if we could figure out how to just like split the lagoon, right? And I'll just walk to the fishing spot. It'll be great. Elijah looks at Elisha and he says, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked for a difficult thing, Elijah replied. He says, if you see me when I'm taken away from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. The Bible will go on to tell the story that Elisha would see Elijah being taken from this earth. And as he was taken, the same cloak that he had struck the, the river with to part it would fall off of Elijah and would fall onto Elisha. And Elisha would take on this, this double portion anointing and would go on to do double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. And, and I'm reminded that, and I heard this somewhere, I think, but Sometimes if you'll, if you'll stick to your commitment, you, you, you'll receive double for your trouble. So, some of us, some of us were, were giving up just a little bit too soon. But if you'll stick into it, if you'll continue to push through, I believe that the best is still yet to come. Amen? Now I want to preface it with this. Uh, there's some people in this room that, that you're applying what I'm saying to, to your marriage. And I, I think that's, that's okay. This isn't just about marriage. This is about many aspects of your life. But if you hear me saying that you need to stick through or stick in to your, your situation, and that situation uh, is abusive uh, or it, it is a safety risk, please know that that is not something that I'm saying at all. That is not the case. If that's the situation you're in, uh, please know you're not alone. Uh, we'd love to help you out and talk you through it or, and help you through. Eric and I uh, are here for you. We love you. We want to help you in what you're going through. I've got a couple big boys and some firemen that we can go and talk to some other people too. We've got to have a prayer service afterwards. It'll be great. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the commitments that you have made and the things that would keep you from fulfilling these commitments. I think if you'll keep pushing through, you'll get double for your trouble. We don't see this uh, idea of, of followers being uh, committed to the person they're following uh, just this one time with Elijah and Elisha. We also see this with Jesus when he starts his ministry, right? Well, the very first things that he does is he, he gathers these guys together. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who also called Peter, and Andrew. Peter and Andrew were brothers. They were fishing together. He says they were throwing a net into the water, 
for they fished for a living. <clears throat> Jesus called out to them. He said, come follow me. I want you guys to hold on to that word, come, or that, that term, come follow me. It's, it's important. He says, I will show you how to fish for people. And they let their nets down at once and followed him. Verse 21 says, a little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John. They were sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, and they were repairing nets. They were also fishermen. And he called to them, he said, he said, come and follow me. And he said, they immediately they followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. These four guys, these, uh, these guys were, were probably pretty tough. They're pretty hard workers. You know, fishermen, um, you, you, you've got to be someone. To be a fisherman, you, you can't have that thing that, where you give up easily because, because otherwise you'd be a terrible fisherman. You got to have that patience. You got to have that commitment to persevere and push through. Specifically in this, we see that, that Jesus comes to them. And in another gospel, we would see that they just saw Jesus do this fantastic miracle. Jesus says, Come and follow me. Now, that term, that, that phrase, come and follow me, would have been something that they would have heard before, but maybe not that was said to them. Because that same way that it was said, uh, other rabbis would come along, and the people in their, their neighborhood, the people in their community that were smart, the ones that, that had uh, gone through school and, and memorized the Torah the correct way, and the ones that showed real aptitude and, and, and ability, they would be asked by rabbis to come and follow them. And that, 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 that come and follow wasn't like, hey, let's go on an adventure. It was, I want to teach you. I want you to mirror me. I want you to, to, to come and mimic and see me do life, and hopefully your life will then turn into what I have. I'm going to give you what I have. And so they see Jesus do this fantastic miracle, and they're like, yes, we're going to follow him. But it's to the point of the commitment of leaving everything that they have behind. So it says that for both these families, they leave their boats, they leave their nets. That means they, they, they leave their livelihood, they leave their, their identity. They left those people that they, they know. And they fully committed their life to Jesus. To the point where even as I, as I did some studying on this, they said that, that that phrase was, come follow me, wasn't just like come follow, it was like come walk with me, come do life with me. In Jewish culture, they would understand that that, that they would have, like, uh, it would have mean in, in a way of a visualization of, like, follow me so closely that the dust that comes off the road from where I walk lands on you. So you are one, you are doing life with me. I think sometimes that's what Jesus hopes to see us do as we follow him. Because for some of us, following Jesus is when I'm in trouble, I'm going to pray. Or when I need something, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to come to church and I'm going to punch my car because I went to church. He says, man, I want a relationship that is more than that. I want a relationship with you that is, that is committed part of the reason why, you know, we celebrate baptism is because people making this commitment of saying, hey, I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow Christ. This public declaration of commitment is important. It's not one of these things where Jesus says, hey, I want, I want more from you. I want, I, I want to consume more of you. That's not what it is. He, 
He wants to give you what he has. He wants to have your life mimic his, but you've got to be committed enough to follow him. I think commitment is a value. Commitment is important. Commitment can change our lives for the better. The last thing I want to leave you with this is um, this past week, Eric and I uh, met with our circle group and hung out around a fire and talked about the, the early church in the book of Acts. This is after those guys that committed to follow Jesus, saw him put to the cross, saw him come back to life out of a grave, and saw him leave this earth and go to heaven. As they, they start this early church, right before Jesus leaves again, he gets them all together, and he charges them with this commission to go out and make disciples, to have other followers to follow them. And as they've seen Jesus do these great miracles for these past few years, as, as he's gone and he's beaten death in the grave, they've got to be charged up. They've got to be ready to go and live out the, the commission that he'd called them to. But he says something. He says something kind of strange. In Acts 1 verse 4, it says, While they were eating, all of them together, he gave them this command. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, I want you to wait for this. These guys are, are charged. They've lived this life out following Jesus for years now. They've heard him say that he has the authority over death and the grave and everything else. Their faith is on, on, on 10. So we will do whatever. We're going to go out. We're going to go to the ends of the earth. But Jesus says, in, in this season, in this next moment, I want, you, I want you to wait. I want you to stop. I want you to wait. Because I got something coming along the way that you're going to need. I couldn't find out. I can't remember. I think it was something like 40 days they waited. These guys stayed in Jerusalem. They met with one another. They broke bread. They did communion with one another. But they waited. They didn't move. I think sometimes we get so out of sorts and so uncomfortable with the seasons of waiting in our life. Myself, myself included. We get to a point where like, I just want the next thing to come. I just want to get into the next chapter. I want that next door to open. I want to meet the right person. I want to continue to do life. I want to, I want to progress. And we get stuck in the waiting. And many times we quit or we fall short or we let go of our commitment because we just can't wait. But Jesus told him, he said, just, just wait for something is coming and that something is going to allow you to do more than what you can do by yourself. 
So as these followers got together in the upper room, as they prayed and they sought and they worshiped and sang together, God's commitment and promise to them came true. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them. It was the same Spirit that had allowed Elijah to do miracles hundreds of years before. It was the same Spirit of God that allowed Elisha to continue on that mantle and, and have receive that double portion mantle of anointing to go forward. It was the same Spirit that allowed Jesus to raise people from the dead and heal their sight and eyes and hearing and everything else. The same Spirit of God came upon them, and then they were able to go out and they changed the world that they were in. It said within within years within, well, within days the early church grew by thousands and one time adding 3,000 another time adding another thousand and years later they would say in the city of Rome that, that there would be tens upon thousands of followers of Christ, followers of the way all because they committed and continued to wait. I think for some of us today, and I'm charging myself, that we've gotten frustrated and uncomfortable with the waiting, and we need to remember that something's coming that is going to be far greater than what we can comprehend. That, that the next part, he's working on it. And we need, just need, need to be obedient and remember and focus that, that he, that with him, the best is still yet to come. So I want to challenge you today when it comes to the commitments in your life to understand that there's value in you just saying yes. I also want to give you the ability to, or know that you have the ability to say no. You're not called to please everybody. You can't. Know there's value in it. Know that Jesus wants to have a relationship that is, that is committed with you. He wants you to, to follow him and live life the way that he did and reflect him in the world around you. And don't, don't become tired in the waiting because the best is still yet to come. Amen? Let me pray for you real quick. Jesus, you know the area of life that we're in, the time that we're in. You know the struggles that we're dealing with. You know the pains that we're feeling, the frustrations that we're having. You know the things that, that we're trying to get through that we just can't seem to get through. You know the angst and the worry and the tired that we are from waiting. I pray that as we continue to commit ourselves to you, to what you've called us to, I pray that our hope would be in you and you alone. That we would see from, from many, many years behind us, from, from many stories throughout the Bible where men and women committed their lives to you and you showed up in a huge way pray that would give us faith for what the future would hold. Today, as we sing this 
last song. We surrender these things to you. We commit or recommit our lives to you. And we say, no matter the waiting, we trust in you and you alone. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.